0: Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear.
1: Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Next Level Brands Podcast, brought to you as always by the crew at nextlevelbrands.com. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, or health and wellness, check out services offered at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's workshops, founder coaching, fractional marketing and sales resources, and a whole lot more. More information always available at nextlevelbrands.com. Take your brand to the next level with Next Level Brands. Well, I'm Steve Clear, and we have a very exciting show for you today. Another in our series that we call Round 2, where we invite guests back who are on in the early days of the podcast to get an update and to see how things have changed. Today, I'm welcoming back Kelly Lee, the creator and founder of Rowdy Bars, Like many entrepreneurs, Rowdy Bars were created to help answer a personal challenge, which she will tell us a little bit about. But after many hours in the kitchen, she also found herself perfecting a bar product, discovering the health benefits of prebiotics. The company and the brand have grown greatly since she joined us last, which was almost three years ago. Welcome back to the show, Kelly.
0: Awesome. Thanks for having me, Steve.
1: (laughs) Wow. So so it's it's been a while, and we've talked a couple of times since and, and traded emails and stuff. Of course, I've been trying to keep track of what's going on. But when three years ago, almost three years ago, you were, you were breaking out. I mean, it was, you were getting a lot of good response. You were doing a lot of stuff in retail or whatever else it's growing since then. But tell us, let's go back. Tell us how Rowdy Bars got started.
0: So I started Rowdy Bars out of my kitchen in 2013. I was just experimenting in the kitchen because I'm kind of a health nut and always have been. And my husband and I are big backpackers, and I always made our food. I always told them, you carry the gear, I'll carry the food, because I wanted to eat real food when we were out on the trails, rather than the, I, I refer to them as salt packs, but like the uh, mountain <laughs> house. We, we, I mean, we always had those with us, but for, for backup, but I prefer to eat real food. So I would make bars, granola, different things. And eventually, I came up with this recipe, you know, a bar, and was packing that on every adventure that we went on. And it got to a point where my husband was saying, are you going to make the dream bars this weekend? And because he loved them, (laughs) he fell in love with them. And so I would say, yeah, I'll make the dream bars. Well, then eventually it turned into me making them for family members, for Christmas gifts and and things like that. And one of my sisters who now is a part of the team, she had Mm -hmm. mentioned to me, you should sell these. And so I was like, Hmm, I have a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. I've had businesses in the past that, so it just kind of triggered this thing in me. And I started researching it. My first book was the co-man versus the con man. Um, (laughs) I I ended up meeting the owner, Dave Marson of Nature's Bakery.
1: Okay, sure. And he gave me
0: some really good advice. You know, I got a cottage food permit, was making it out of my kitchen. Selling it to the local market. I worked at the time at St. Mary's Medical Center. I was the marketing director for their fitness and wellness center and was selling it to the to the members at, at selling the bar itself to the members there. And eventually it just evolved. And with Dave's advice, skipping the uh, commercial kitchen, I went directly to the Co-Packer. And in 2000, we found a Co-Packer. I called 2016 the year of no's because everybody told me I was too small. And uh, we finally found one in (laughs) Boise who was willing to work with us and did some small runs for us. And then in January of 2018 is when we actually launched with a a full product and we were in retail that March. So it happened fast.
1: (laughs) Wow. Absolutely. Hey, if I would known they were baking here, I would have gone down and got some fresh ones, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When when you start, I mean, when you start out on that journey and, you know, again, with nature value, you got, you have somebody that you can look at and go, okay, so this is kind of how this, and that advice obviously was very, very well taken. Mm -hmm. Um, What did you envision things were going to be like 10 years down the road? And how is that vision different now?
0: It's funny. I really didn't think 10 years down the road, which kind of was against the grain for me because in my past businesses, I always had long-term plans. And I think the thing with this particular business is it was such a passion of mine that I couldn't get past that. That's where I was focused was on the recipes, um, the benefits of the ingredients that I had discovered and just that, oh, I could actually make a difference in people's lives with this business. Right. And I didn't, I just thought, you know, I'm going to go for it and we'll see what happens. I, my vision was I would say probably two years was okay. Right, right. Was like Whole Foods, like that was my number. I I, so I launched in January of 2018. I said, okay, August I'm going to be in Whole Foods. Well, little did I know about the food industry and and (laughs) retail industry how long things take. And so that was my. I think if I had a vision, it was just to get into Whole Foods to be able to help
1: people. (laughs) Okay, there you go. Yeah, Uh, and it took a little longer. What yes. you know, how, how those things roll. So when you when you started out, you were distributing, I remember, locally, right? Was, <laughs> you know, and and getting some help and some of the local retailers and whatever else. What was your first sort of beyond regional score for distribution?
0: Our very first, I would say, okay, so we started with, with Scalaris was our first retailer here locally and they had four stores. After that, it was, it was because Rayleigh's actually ended up buying, Scolari's. Scolari's, right. So I would say my next step was a regional step. And so I saw Rayleighs as a Northern Nevada, Northern California, regional growth potential. And then my next goal was, okay, I need to find the right brokers. And then once I found the right brokers, I ended up landing Sprouts, which was Nationwide. And I, when I got that, I couldn't believe it. I was beside, I was literally beside myself. I was like, I can't believe we got into Sprouts. This is crazy. But that took some time. And when it wasn't, that was in 2000, we didn't launch into Sprouts until April of 2020. So like the worst time. Oh, nice.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the club. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow.
0: So, yeah. So that, because before that I had a lot of retailers telling me I needed to have more than one bar flavor because at the time I only had one bar flavor. Okay. So then, my goal shifted into okay. I needed to develop some new flavors, and so that's where our focus went. And then we got into to Rayleighs, and then then we got into Save Mart, and they were more conventional. So still not in Whole Foods at that point. We got into Sprouts before we got into Whole Foods.
1: So that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. One of the things, Kelly, that you know you talk about that moment, and I, I think you had just launched the flavors. I think when you were on the show the last time, when you get something like a national Sprouts it's great, excited, you know, we're going to do this, this tipping point, whatever you want to call it. But that can also be very critical for companies in being able to, now you're getting involved in trade spending. Now you're trying to do national sampling programs when there's no sampling going on. How did you, how did you support, you know, sprouts and, and make, make good on that distribution?
0: It was difficult. And we ended up, so we, we couldn't, so we, Eventually we got field marketing teams, right? Well, the field marketing teams couldn't even go in and do the, their normal job. So it took us, we act, it actually hurt us. Uh, to be honest, we, we were, we hurt. We were, we didn't do as well as we could have in Sprouts because of our launch time. And we did get the bars in, in the, the retail. We didn't get a full launch. So, because of yep. all of the chaos, our habits were changing. They weren't buying products they didn't know. They were stocking up on things that they were familiar with. So, trying a new bar that's kind of on the pricier—not I wouldn't say pricier side—but we are a premium product. Sure. Yeah. So we, we stay competitive in price, but we it it people weren't familiar with who we were or what we were. So they weren't trying us. Right. Um, we did try to do. We did run some coupons, digital coupons, that kind of thing. That didn't really work out. We ended up. In 2021, getting in touch with our well, the buyers switched with Sprouts, and they basically told us that we needed to switch from single bars to multi-packs. Okay. So we did that. We switched to multi-packs. And we now we have our four-bar packs and they're doing quite well. We launched those into Meyer earlier this year. And but we Still are not in Sprouts with our multi packs. So, so they gave us the advice, which was great because they're doing well in other retailers. We just launched into um, in Florida with our multi packs as well, and into we'll be launching into some new retailers soon. So in Florida, but we are still pushing pushing to get into Sprout back into Sprouts with our multi packs.
1: Right, right. To do that. Do That up, there's the, interesting. So, there's a sort of quandary I think we go through with a lot of better for you type products in terms of yes, you have premium pricing, and people will say, or and and, and I, having worked with larger CPG companies, you know, the resistance of 10 cents or 15 cents on a dollar item can be mm-hmm. big, right? People oh, yeah. go, Oh my, what is this, whatever, but. A lot of people making choices in the better for you space, that really doesn't seem to be as much of a concern, although you can't go crazy with pricing, obviously. Mm -hmm. But there also seems to be that once they become okay with the product or they they trial and they have a good good experience with it, they're willing to buy a a four-pack case or a six-pack case or whatever. They're willing to go ahead and do that, which makes it better actually for everybody. Right. It's just yeah. There's less handling, there's less, right? Whatever There's, there's better margin. I mean, Probably. all the way around and distributors particularly, God, you know, they don't want to cut open something and put, put four or five bars on the shelf. I mean, it's just, it just takes forever. And as, mm-hmm. as opposed to, let's just put the box on there and they can buy the box. I oh, yeah. 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 That's the beauty of consumables, by the way, yeah. which is unlike <laughs> a washing machine where I've either got to I get you now, or I'm not going to get you for <laughs> six years. Yep. I, you know, can you come back and, and work it out what from the original is it Macon Macon root what was um, the root? yakon okay yeah. so yakon root so mm-hmm. are you still using yakon root and 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 all that in the product
0: yes absolutely and actually we've kind of shifted we went through a rebrand last year something i should mention right. so we're no longer just rowdy bars we're rowdy yeah, right. we have the bars and we have the grass-fed collagen protein powders now. We have three flavors. They they actually got accepted by UNFI and will be in retail soon. But we use the yucca root in all of our bars and in our powders. So right. it's it, it's like my little wonder ingredient. I love that ingredient so much. It's a FOSS prebiotic, so it's different than the inulin. We do use chitri root. Right. or I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm saying that one wrong.
1: <laughs> whatever.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's different from the inulin, but you have, we're, so what we're providing is both inulin and the FOS prebiotic, two different types of bacterias. Okay. So it's very satiating. So it'll keep you full or longer because it's a non-digestible carb. It's a zero on the glycemic index. So it won't spike your blood sugar. We're able to reach the keto status on our bars because there's no sugar alcohols, but it's also naturally sweet. So it's our natural sweetener. We do use just a touch of monk fruit in some of our products, but just a tiny, tiny, bit. it's usually the last ingredient.
1: So yeah. mm -hmm. Wow. That's awesome. Why did you decide to go into the collagen powder?
0: So I actually am really big into collagen and grass-fed collagen. And I was, you know, buying my grass-fed collagen and I was just like, oh God, it tastes so gross. It's like, why am I buying this? I could probably (laughs) create something better. You know, just going from what I, I mean, I've always been a, I love to cook, so I always love to experiment. And so I ended up calling my food scientist and we had a conversation and I said, can I get bovine grass fed collagen, just pure collagen and add these simple ingredients to it. And so we started playing with the formulations and on the first try, we got our snickerdoodle and flavor. And I was like, this is it. I would eat this every day. And I do eat my protein powders every day. Now my chocolate, the chocolate flavor is my favorite because we actually use real cacao. And so- the, the chocolate one I will typically eat the most of, but I love all three flavors. We have vanilla, chocolate, and Snickerdoodle. And oh, very wow. simple ingredients. There's only six or six or less ingredients.
1: Wow. So that, yeah, yeah. And that and that helps because mm-hmm. less of those ingredients is usually better. Yes. You know, so go, going back again from starting at uh, Scolari's Retail, moving on up. What was the thing that really surprised you the most about the industry or about your journey?
0: Just how much people the industry itself touts things to be good for you when they're really not. And now I have this like goal to to open people's eyes. You know, we don't use the sugar alcohols. We don't use natural flavors. I think what surprises me the most about that is that people don't know how natural flavors can actually affect it, you know, it sends off a chemical release to the brain, tricking the tricking you into believing that you're craving that flavor and then later on you're reaching for the Skittles or whatever that's not necessarily the best (laughs) for you. Right. Um, And just just that there aren't more people that really understand what they're eating, I guess. Like they don't really look at the ingredients.
1: Yeah. Maybe one small bright side of the pandemic Mm -hmm. has been, I think consumers have begun to you know look more at that right and and clearly a lot of manufacturers are looking at that because they're trying to introduce or change or or you know because of the labels mm-hmm. and i i just saw a, a pilot a suggestion from the canadian government of they want to now put nutritional panels on the front of the package right
0: yeah interesting
1: and any item that does not meet their health standards, too much of a percentage a day, too much sodium, too much sugar, too much whatever else, will be in red on the nutritional panel. I thought, wow, "Wow, that would be really bad news for a lot of companies I can think of, right? It's like, whoa, this is going to be how much sugar is in this? Are you kidding me? You know, know, and it, 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 you know, it, yeah. Okay. So it tastes good and, 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 and that's fine, but there's more to that, but I think there is a higher consciousness coming along with, you know, dealing with that. So it's, it's, and that's good. It's very important. You know,
0: I I absolutely agree. I think that is a, a silver lining or a positive that has come out of the pandemic because I do feel like more and more people are being more conscious of yeah. what they're eating and, and yeah. their health in general. And I well, think I think
1: the, the concept of what I eat affects my immunity. Yeah. Hello? Yes. I mean, what, do you, what do you mean? Your chicken <laughs> yeah. soup, good for the soul, remember? Yeah. It's like, you know, figure right. that out. Kelly, let me ask you, because I, I know, we, you know, we have a lot of fellow founders and stuff out in the audience. Let's talk a little bit about financing, mm-hmm. kind of how you started out, how you scaled, what did you do to handle the, the capital that you needed to grow?
0: So when I first started, it was all my own money. I was working full time. And so I was putting in my own, I was bootstrapping it. You know, everything was just out of my pay, my paycheck at the time. I never pulled out of savings. I, it was just a little bit out of my paycheck. I would pull out and that's how I operated. In 2017, or two, yeah, it was 2017. I was getting my MBA at the time. And we I submitted a business plan to our, to, towards this contest. And they were going to give away $50,000 to whoever won. Well, we got, we won. But then when we got to that point of actually getting to the agreement, the benchmarks were unrealistic. And I had an attorney look at it and he said, do not sign this contract. (laughs) (laughs) You won't own your business in four years. And I, and so I went to my dad who was a businessman and I just said, we won this, we won this contest. The attorney is telling me not to sign the agreement. What should we do? What should I do? And he said, well, I'll tell you what you give me a percentage of the company and I'll help finance it. So my dad owns 30% of the company. I own 70. And so since 2017, it's been family owned and operated. We've, we're putting in our own money and my dad has been funding it. We are now at a point where um, we are. We just pitched to a group of angel investors. Awesome. We've made it to round two on our pitch. So we're doing all the due diligence. We're hoping that we get more so than money because money is great and we need that, but I want people, whoever it is that becomes the investor joins our team is somebody that can add value and can catapult us into the brand awareness, into getting agreements and contracts with people that are really going to make a difference for the company.
1: Strategic strategic (laughs) investor. Exactly.
0: Like that's so much more important to me than getting a hundred thousand dollars, right? Because the hundred thousand dollars is great, but it's only going to last for so long if you don't have the the backup, you know?
1: Right, right. yep. So,
0: so that's, so for me, what we've really worked on is, you know, we really minimize our expenses. It's, my sister's joined in 2020, so it's all family. So we take really low salaries. We're, not, we're all not making very much. So I didn't start paying myself until the end of 2020. So it's <sighs> been, um, yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's a grassroots, like, let's do this. Let's make it happen, approach and bootstrap. And now I think if we can get, if we can get an investor, that'd be great. But more so we want a strategic partner.
1: Yeah. In the business. Mm. So, cause I, I have to ask you, so did the MBA help in um, running your own business?
0: I would say yes and no. I think the one thing that going through college teaches you is that if you start something, you finish it and it teaches you time management, which is really good. Some of the classes, I would say my financial accounting class was definitely worth it.
1: Yep. Okay. Yep. (laughs)
0: Personal, I took a personal branding class. That was just more fun, I think, than anything. And I think it does help with like how I post things and just when I post things like that. That really is a huge thing in business these days. But overall, yeah, I'd say it, it helped. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let, let's go back to the production side for a minute. Are you still co-manufacturing product? And are you going to keep doing that for foreseeable future?
0: For foreseeable future, yes. We'll stay with our co-packers. We actually have a really good relationship with our co-packers. We have terms with them that are really great and they work with us. They either meet or exceed their deadlines every time. So we feel really confident in their capabilities. So we'll probably stay with them until it comes to a point where we either do invest in our own facility, which I don't know if that's really where I want to go, but it's not not a possibility.
1: Yeah, it's, there's always that, you know, quality control and the ability to, versus this is a capital intensive business and equipment is major right? right investment, especially if you don't if you can do something that's within a pretty general range of things. So you're cooking things or extruding things or whatever. If you get into something where it's really, really you have to do your own. Some people have like the gizmo thing that they have to have because that's the only thing that's going to produce the product. So, but, but good that, uh, that you have those relationships. A lot of people, we we all know co-man horror stories and I've always, uh, I've always wanted to get a co-manufacturer around as a guest so he could tell client horror stories, right? Because, you know, it's like, wait a minute before you, you know, I produced 50,000 pounds of pasta and I never got paid, you know? Oh, you, you know, you know, that's out there, you know. Yeah. So so in terms of the company growth and stuff and, and, and what you're doing, how are you handling? I know you were the primary salesperson at the time. Mm-hmm. How are you handling sales and and that type of growth? Are you pushing through distributors? You still working with brokers? And how does that fan out? So-
0: We've gone, well, the broker side has been very difficult, but we finally, I feel like have settled on a really good broker brokerage company that we, we really jive with their first management. They're, they're doing a great job, very organized, and we're just very fortunate to have them. We did, I did bring on a strategic development advisor, his name's Ryan, and he's been a phenomenal to the team. And we are literally launching a commissions, commission-based only sales force right now. So wow. we have about five people on the team. We literally, we have our kickoff call on Friday. So it's literally wow. just happening. Okay. Um, with this sales force, they're basically, their task is to build, and this would be great for future entrepreneurs that are looking to get into this industry. I wish I would have done this sooner, but they're going to build their own book of business is our is our goal. And it's going to be non-traditional channels. So, okay. you know, government contracts, smoothie shops, you know, things that aren't typically push through the distributors. Yep. And so we've got our brokers for that. That's where we have that arm is for the distri- distribution. And we are working with, we just launched into new at KHE. And okay. that's part yep. of our thing that we're doing with, with the retailers in Florida. And then we have been speaking with UNFI reps as well. And in some of their channels, we're working with their sales reps as well.
1: So do you find when you first went into UNFI and into and, and KHE, that that was a bit of a challenge for? As a smaller entrepreneur,
0: yes, very much. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I would have looking back on it now. And advice for anybody who's thinking of doing it: start with the commission-based sales teams and people that are in the industry, if you can find them, because I I feel like that would have been a great foundation to to the distribution. Right. You know, then add the distribution later on because there's so much trade spend, like you mentioned before, that comes along with the with the distribution. And it's necessary in some regards.
1: It's it's one of the things that I sometimes in, in classes and workshops, I will tell people, you know, you're all here today. You're in the food industry or beverage, you know, whatever, health and wellness. This is really great. If you're successful at all, you are going to move from that business into the logistics business. Yeah. That's the business that all the retailers are in. They're not in the food business. They're right. in the logistics business. Right. And unfortunately, the distributors... I think sometimes the retailers use the distributors to kind of weed out the products or yeah. to, you know, to deal with, you know, how's this thing moving? Because the buyer, she or he doesn't want to spend all that time on whatever the new thing is. So we'll let we'll let UNFI handle that. And if they rise above the surface, well, then maybe we'll we'll do something. But it, it, it is a it certainly is a roadblock for a lot of smaller, smaller companies.
0: Oh, I, I agree 100%. And I can't tell you how many days I laid on the ground crying, <laughs> saying to myself, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And, and how do I get over it? And when I post things about overcoming obstacles, I think that's been one of my largest obstacles is going, is getting over the distribution and understanding, just making sure that I, I stay the, you know, fight, fight for it. Yeah. Right. And so I told myself I'm not giving up and I didn't let them win. So you know, I didn't let them beat me so to speak or beat no, me no. out.
1: No, right. No. You know?
0: <laughs> so I and I still to this day say to myself I'm not I'm going to get through this regardless.
1: Yeah. I, I had a phone call once from a an entrepreneur who was in and I I forget now whether it was UNFI or KEHI, but it, it, regardless, he calls me up and he goes, "What is a negative PO?" <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, read it to me or you know whatever. And, and and it basically was they were ordering more product, but his returns that he was having to take back were greater than the product they were ordering. Oh my goodness. Like, oh, um, so I'm gonna ship him a, a half a truck and a, a check for five thousand dollars. Yeah. How does that even work? You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's been times where we actually I told him I said I'm not sending any more product until you know this. Like I would give them things that they would have to do in order to, for me to send the product, because they, I think that that's a trap that you can fall into is you feel like, oh, I got a PO. Yay. Oh my gosh. You know, and you get super excited about it. So you send the product off. And then before you know it, you're getting this huge deduction of spoilage or, you know, like you said, a negative PO. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Not, not a fun experience. Not how we're supposed to build the brand. They're yeah. really good. So, let's let's take a, a, a leap forward here. Let's now you're beyond I'm sure two year planning. What does the next 10 years look like?
0: So, we are so I never thought I would say this, but our strategy is that we would like to sell in 5 to 7 years is our goal.
1: Okay. Yeah, Um, that's fair.
0: I I went through a period where people would say, would you think you would ever sell sell your company? And this literally has been my love, my passion, my baby since 2013. That even when I say that, I get the goosebumps because I I get a little fearful of leaving it, you know, but I'm... 40, I'll be 45 in December and I just five to seven years, I think is a pretty good time to say, okay, let's try something else
1: with <laughs> a little refresher.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: The problem is, is if you have the bug, then you, 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 exit, you know, and you get a little distance and all of a sudden you see another problem and you go, oh, I can solve that. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> so why don't we just do that? That's awesome. Well, I'm I'm really glad to have had the opportunity to have you back on the show, catch up, find out how great things are going. I I want to ask, we have a segment in the show that we call Words to Grow By, and it basically is quotes and words and sometimes just little pieces of advice that come from founders and other industry experts. you have anything for us you want to leave with your fellow entrepreneurs?
0: Absolutely. So my dad is a businessman. He had mentors in his life that passed this down to him. And then he passed it down to me. And just recently, he told me that, who his mentor was that told him to, to say, it. and I actually have a bracelet that has it carved in it. It, <laughs> it is stay the course.
1: Stay the course. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Stay the course. Don't give up.
1: Great advice.
0: Mm-hmm. Super.
1: <laughs> well, Kelly, hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're you're, you're busy as all entrepreneurs are and uh, for sharing your story and, and wisdom and stuff with folks who are out there that, you know, maybe back where you were, you know, three, four five years ago and going, man, can I really do this? And uh, you are definitely an example of the folks who can.
0: Oh, thank you, Steve. I really appreciate that. It means a lot.
1: No problem. And hopefully we'll have you back on again somewhere down the line after, uh, maybe after you sell to, you know, Kellogg's or somebody.
0: Okay. Sounds like a plan. I like it.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much. All right. Steve.
0: Good to see you.
1: Good to see you too. And by the way, thanks for everyone else out there for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast. Thanks as well to nextlevelbrands.com for production assistance. We're always grateful for feedback and comments we get. If you have an idea for a show topic or a special guest, please feel free to reach out. Let us know. I'm Steve Clear and we'll see you all next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at nextwith2xslevelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level
1: Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.